Lord and Father God, thank you so much for bringing each and every person here. Uh, We just pray that uh, you would resolve these issues with the sound. But more than that, God, we want you to speak to our hearts through your word. We're asking you to show up uh, and, and to give us insight into our own calling from Abram's calling in Genesis 12. Uh, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Uh, just by a very short way of introduction, my name is Brian Stout. Uh, I am a pastor to people in healthcare in Philadelphia. Uh, in my elevator speech, uh, whenever I'm pitching the ministry, uh, is that one in six doctors from the entire country uh, passes through Philadelphia for part of their training. Uh, so one in six doctors in the country comes through Philly uh, for part of their training. Uh, and it's, it's just a really exciting ministry uh, for us. Yeah, maybe we'll just go without it. So, uh, And it'll be recorded through the lapel mic, right? Okay. It's okay. That's okay. All right. And then I think I'm still tangled. Okay. All right. All right. So we're back. Um, Yeah. So I just love what I do. I mean, one in six doctors in the country coming through Philly, plus tons of other healthcare providers. And our whole thing is to be a, a launching pad for the Great Commission. And I feel like just by the opportunity to stay in Philly, uh, we have the opportunity to impact the world. So I'm really passionate uh, about what we get to do. And I hope you guys are passionate about the call God is giving you. You know, I hope you're excited and you're starting to dream. You know, what could God do through me? How could he leverage my life, you know, to do something great for the kingdom? Uh, Just, I like to be personal as I introduce myself. Uh, I'll show you guys my family. Uh, Super proud of them. So this was us. Uh, three years ago, anyway. <laughs> we haven't really had a good family photo since then. Uh, I've got a beautiful wife, Sharon. Uh, we've been together 18 years. Uh, and we have four kids. Uh, that's Anna, Matthew, Brayden, and Carissa. Uh, seven through 17 now. So, uh, Matthew's been a special part of our story. Uh, he has autism, uh, kind of moderate to severe. Uh, and you'll hear a little bit more about him later. So that is us. Okay, so I got this idea for the session uh, last year. Uh, I was sitting in the hallway just talking with some guys from Philly. And I said, so what is God teaching you? And, you know, heard a lot of the familiar things. Uh, And then this one guy, David, said to me, you know, I came here. I I was looking to figure out where I'm going, who I'm going with, like what specialty I should pursue, uh, when. You know, all the things that we think about, right? Like, God, come on already, just show me what you're doing. And he said, God really said, I'm here to give you a call for your heart. Like, I care about all this other stuff, right? It matters. And eventually you have to figure that out. But I want you to trust me. I want you to remember my calling for you, our relationship. And as that is in place, all this other stuff works out. And I think we get so wrapped up uh, in the details Like, especially if you're younger, uh, you're a student, you're preparing for ministry, uh, you're considering maybe going overseas. 
you know, all those things, it's, it's right to be curious about them. But day by day, we lose sight of our calling. And I think even for those of us who are older, you know, maybe you know exactly where you're going. Uh, you're already established. But we get caught up in day-to-day life. And we forget about our relationship with God. And the thing that drew us into this in the first place, it can kind of recede into the background. And we need to be called back to that again. So I hope no matter where you are, that you'll really be encouraged today uh, from the passage. So let's dive in uh, to Genesis 12. And if you have your Bible, uh, now would be a good time to find it. Okay, I'm just going to be referencing it as, as we talk. Uh, so the first thing, the mo- and don't worry about that outline yet. It'll become relevant later. Um, the first thing God says is, now the Lord said to Abram. Now, why is that important? Like, I mean, I think we read this story and we're so familiar with it. Uh, we kind of gloss over that. But if you look at Genesis 12, God just appears out of nowhere in Abram's life. If you look at Joshua 24, 2 and 3, and don't turn there now, uh, listen to this. This is Joshua speaking. He says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river. So if, if you kind of follow Genesis at this point, Abraham, or Abram, as he was at the time, and his, his family, they're pagans. They don't even know who God is. And then God just plucks them out of nowhere. And he says, I'm going to turn you into a great nation. <laughs> I mean, his head must have been blown at that point. And so God is moving toward Abram. Abram wasn't looking for God, but God was looking for him. And so I think we need to see that. We can kind of gloss over that if we're just so familiar with Genesis. But Abram doesn't even know God. God finds him at this point. And he says, I'm going to do something awesome with your life. Really cool. And so I think that the first thing we need to see, before God calls us to do something specific... He calls us to him. He calls us to a relationship with himself. Like that's the first thing. That's the starting point. And you know that. You know that's foundational. But it's so easy to forget, I think, in real life. So, in a room this size, uh, I'm guessing we have theological differences, you know, about exactly how God calls us to himself. And we're not going to get into that today. We don't need to. Um... But we can all agree that God's movement toward us is decisive. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Wherever your calling is or wherever it's going to be, it's because God stepped into your life, established a relationship with you through Christ, and now he's going to use you. Now, in Abram's life, God keeps popping up when Abram least expects it. You know, in Genesis 15, uh, God makes this covenant with him. You know, it's this really weird nighttime vision. Uh, where Abraham falls into a deep sleep, and God just shows up and he makes this covenant with him. 
uh, in his strange dream. And he says, uh, I'm going to give you the land that you're living in, and your descendants will be as many as the stars. Uh, And then in Genesis 17, he says, by the way, you're going to have a son. Now keep in mind, he's 100. (laughs) He's 100 years old. Now, he did live to be 175, so there was that. Um, But Sarai uh, is, is 90. And, and the Bible's very clear. She was well past her childbearing years. And so imagine hearing that. You're going to be the father of many nations. And by the way, you don't even have kids at this point. And we know that they thought it was a cruel joke. <laughs> because you get this incident where Sarai overhears God make the promise. And she starts to laugh. And I wonder if she was crying too. Because it was almost too much to hope for. But so God keeps stepping into their lives, and he keeps showing up at important points. He's with them in the journey. So why is this important for us? (laughs) You know, this is all about application and how it intersects with your journey. Why Why does it matter? I think the first thing is, God gets the credit, and he gets the glory. I mean, I've been talking with some people from Philly uh, during our, our conference here. And they say, you know, there's a certain glory that can come with doing medical missions, right? And the harder the place of it is that you're going to, uh, the more remote, the more sacrifices you're making, missionaries tend to get a little more credit for that. You know, or you can start to feel a little bit harder or or more self-pity and start to think we're doing something awesome for God. And I think we need to remember, no, we're like Abram. God is merciful. He's kind. He moves into our lives, and isn't it amazing (laughs) that he would use somebody like me? That's awesome. And then secondly, I think there's this deep security. You know, when you realize that the God of the universe is committed to you, no matter what obstacles you face, no matter how many times you fail, that's an awesome thing. And Abram, if you look at his life, he, he actually messed up quite a bit. You know, there was this bit where he tried to enact God's promise uh, through the son that God didn't promise, right? You know, through Ishmael. Uh, And that that wasn't good. But it it didn't change God's commitment to him one bit. And so as you look at your life, you know, you're going to face obstacles. I'm sure a lot of you have already. You're going to fail. You're going to blow it. But that that doesn't change God's commitment to you at all. You know, he's with you from the beginning to the end. And I think that ought to produce a deep security to know that there's nothing you can do to mess that up. So, okay. The second thing I think we see from Abram's story uh, is that following God's call, it always involves leaving what you know. It always involves leaving what you know. And there's a deep cost To that, there's going to be a great cost. And there's also limited understanding. And and you can really see that from the story. God says, go from your country. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And again, it's a story we've heard a million times. It's so easy to think, yeah, yeah, that's just a, a key story in Genesis. But everything that mattered to him Everything that was important gave him security. God just took it all away. I mean, imagine, you know, wherever you live, if God just said, say goodbye to your family, 
you know, leave the United States. Uh, I know there's talk of some wanting to do that after the recent election. Um, But just imagine if God just said, pack up everything you know and leave. I mean, that's what he was facing. Everything that would have given him identity and meaning on a human level, God was taking it away. And so I think there are a couple pieces to that. Uh, The first piece is the sacrifice that he was making. Uh, I I think of, I mean, a lot of you, I'm guessing in a room like this, uh, some of you know that God is calling you to leave your people, to leave your country. Uh, You have a sense that God has put that kind of a call on your life. Uh, I think of John. He was an ophthalmologist at Penn. And I mean, he was really, he was a big deal there, you know. And God just called him to leave everything, you know, and to go to Ethiopia and to start up an eye hospital. And he's got three young kids. And all of a sudden, you know, he just felt God calling him to leave it all behind. So it happens. Uh, I think of Amy. Uh, She's a dentist uh, from Michigan. Uh, And then God called her to come to Philly and work at Esperanza. Uh, it's, a, it's a health clinic uh, to the underserved Latino folks uh, of North Philly. And she's an amazing person. You know, she's chosen to live in the community. Uh, she has, like, an open-door policy. I mean, she has kids running all over her house. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's a big sacrifice. She makes a lot less than she could, but she's giving her life to God. She's following his call. Uh, she's making a sacrifice. I think one thing I see is that as we go throughout training, we start with kind of dreams to do whatever God wants. And then as we progress, it gets harder. And we start to wonder, do I really want to make the sacrifices that I thought about at the beginning? You know, you see the debt load increasing. Uh, You see how many sacrifices you've made to study for exams, for boards. You see your friends going into highly paid specialties. Uh, you see that you want to have a family and it's going to hurt your parents, you know, to, to go somewhere else and not have that daily interaction with them. And I think it's really hard to kind of maintain that commitment when we see the sacrifice getting harder. And that's not to say if you, your sense of calling changes that you're wrong. <laughs> Only you and God can work that out. But I think sometimes we step back from God's calling because we don't want to make the sacrifice. And I think Abram would challenge us and say, no, we need to give that another look. The other piece to that is is just like this limited understanding, right? God says, go to the land that I will show you. So he throws everything in the moving van. (laughs) But God doesn't tell him where he's going. (laughs) He just says, set out. I mean, can you imagine? You know, can you imagine just like, you know, giving the key to your apartment away, but you don't know where you're staying. God just calls him into the great unknown. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Um, but I think the truth is, right, like even if you're locked into a certain calling or you think you know the details of what you're going to be doing, we always have a limited understanding. Isn't that right? Like God could change things at any time. And he doesn't always give us advance warning. <laughs> We always had this limited understanding like Abram did. Uh, I think of a a couple, they they were students of ours, uh, and they did this thing called the couples match. Uh, And without getting into all the details, if you're not familiar, uh, it's basically where a husband and wife are heading into a residency. 
Uh, and they, they couples match so that they can stay together and not go to some random place and, you know, not be able to be functionally married. Uh, and so these two students did that. So the first year she matched, but he didn't. He was going into a really competitive specialty, uh, just didn't get in. You know, so they're frustrated. That means they had to wait an entire year uh, and do who knows what. So the match comes up again. And this time he matches, and then she doesn't. They don't have a spot for her in the place where he matched. And so they're thinking, okay, we've put in all this time. We've got $200,000 of debt each. We've banked our whole lives on this, believing God that you called us to it. And what's going on here? (laughs) I mean, we don't always understand what's happening, right? We can't always make sense of it as we look from the outside in. And yet God says, follow me. God says, follow me. And I'm guessing in your lives, there's been something that's made you scratch your head. (laughs) Or even right now, we're just like, I don't get it. God, what are you doing? But God calls us to follow him, to embrace that call, even when we can't put our wrap our brain around everything that's happening. So the third thing is that we're blessed to be a blessing. So it wasn't all bad news for Abram. <laughs> you know, there, there were good things happening too. It wasn't all gloom and doom. Um, you know, God says, I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So even though his wife Sarai was barren, God said he was going to make them a great nation. And again, imagine hearing that when you can't have kids. But the point here is that it wasn't about Abram, right? It wasn't just about Abram having a happy life and getting the kid that he had waited 100 years for. The whole point is that God wanted to work through Abram to bless the nations. You know, He was supposed to be a channel, not a reservoir. And so, I mean, if you look at his life, God really answered that prayer. You know, his grandson ends up having 12 kids. That was Jacob. Uh, They go to Egypt. They multiply like rabbits, okay? And they become the nation of Israel. And the whole point of Israel was to be a blessing to the nations. It wasn't about Israel. It was about God's heart reaching the entire world. And uh, Galatians 3.29 says that if you're in Christ... You're Abraham's descendant. And again, God wants to bless the entire world through you. That's awesome. We're blessed to be a blessing. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? (laughs) Easier said than done. Uh, If you're like me, I gladly receive God's blessings, but I don't always want to give them out. (laughs) I don't always want to do that in my real life. You know, I get tired, I get cranky, I get overwhelmed. And I'm not always thinking about how can I serve somebody. Uh, The other day I was coming home from work. And and I was in kind of that tired, long, long workday kind of grouchy mode. Uh, And I saw my neighbor coming out of her house, you know, leaving the house. I was pulling in. And it would have been very natural for me to get out of the car and just like greet her and, you know, just try to love her a little bit for Christ. But what did I do? I, I kind of found a way to fumble around with paperwork and... You know, I just found a way until she got into her car to, you know, to avoid her. And and that was a moment for me where I didn't remember that I was blessed to be a blessing. 
You know, I just did the easy thing. And I'm guessing some of you guys can identify with that. You know, it might be a hard time in school. Uh, maybe you're just worn down from children uh, or other things that are going on in your life. We forget that we're blessed to be a blessing. So I want to just ask you this morning, uh, how are you doing with this? You know, I know that we all believe this in principle, but how are you doing practically? You know, as you're here at this conference today, do you functionally live as though you're blessed to be a blessing to the people around you? And what would it look like to, to maybe take the next step, you know, with, with your roommates, uh, with, with the people you live with, uh, with, with your extended family, with the people you're already serving? You know, what would that look like? Because we've got to keep moving forward because our natural tendency will always be to get pulled inward. Blessed to be a blessing. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about uh, is that we're supposed to worship as we go. Worship as we go. Uh, It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and he said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And so he's, he's obedient, right? Like it's really hard what he's doing. But he follows God and he takes the next step. And as he does that, God shows up again. And I think that's probably another principle we could talk about, you know. Like as we take the next step, God is going to keep showing up He's going to keep giving us the light that we need to keep moving forward. And it's just one small step at a time. But uh, God shows up again. He expands on these promises and he says, um, I'm going to give you the land that you're walking through. It belongs to other nations. It belongs to other people uh, right now, Abram. But it's going to be yours. And he slows down and he worships. He, he makes some kind of an altar. I don't know if it was stone or wood, but it was some kind of physical representation uh, of gratitude to God for what God had done. And so um, he's thankful. And I think looking at that in our lives, worship doesn't come naturally, does it? <laughs> Thanksgiving doesn't come naturally. At least it doesn't to me. Or if I do... It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, thanks, God. That was great. Let's move on to the next problem uh, in my life that needs to be solved. Um, and I'm not really worshipful. I'm not really grateful. And, and I'm, I'm guessing, I'm hoping that you can identify too. But Abram worships. Um, my observation, at least in our community, is that people come into healthcare really excited. You know, first year students, it's, it's like they're there to, to serve Jesus. That they've seen a physician, they've seen a dentist, uh, a therapist, a pharmacist, whatever, do amazing things for God, and they want to be like them, you know. And they want to serve. They want to be a healer in Christ's name. And you come in with high expectations, but then you meet your real life. <laughs> 
you know, the, the studying is hard. Uh, the boards are hard. Your classmates probably aren't worshiping as they go. Uh, there's a lot of cynicism. You meet patients who are ungrateful, you know, and have unreasonable expectations. And you realize that your debt is growing. Uh, and it's, it's just really hard. And, and the altruism, the ideals you have when you came in, can start to fade. And when that happens, I think it's very hard to worship. It's very hard to be thankful in the midst of it. Um, yeah, I was thinking of this, uh, this one doctor I know, really great guy. I mean, he was the picture of joy <laughs> when I met him as a fourth-year student. And he was like off-the-chart sunshine, you know. Um, and actually, we were on a missions trip together. Uh, and then fast forward to the end of his residency, uh, he had just become a new attending. And I almost didn't recognize him. It was like all the joy was gone. And, I, you know, we had lunch, and I just said, how are you doing? And he was kind of honest and just saying, you know, I've really been worn down by residency, you know, by the stuff that I've seen, and I feel so discouraged. Like, his wife is, um, uh, there was a missions trip for his church, and he said, my wife is so excited. And he's like, I'm just not. I want to be, I know it's the right answer, but I just feel totally shot, and you can just pray for me. So these are the kind of things that, that happen, right, as we go through training, uh, and even apart from healthcare, right, this isn't, it's not like only healthcare can ground you down, just living in a fallen world can do that, and so it's hard to keep worshiping in our real lives. So, yeah, I don't want to go on and on and depress you guys, <laughs> um, you know, it's the pace of healthcare too, right? Uh, just the, the 80-hour weeks in residency, uh, you know, surgical residencies, you can be working over 100 hours, and it's your life. You know what it's like. Uh, the point is, the pace of a typical, typical life in healthcare doesn't often allow space for margin. And I think when we don't have margin, we don't reflect on what God is doing. And when we're not reflecting, it's hard to say thank you, because we may not even be noticing those things that God is doing. And it's a tragedy, right? Because if we're not becoming thankful, if we're not becoming worshipful, wherever we go to, it's not almost going to matter. If we don't have a vibrant relationship with God to give away, I feel like we've lost everything. Like our relationship with God is way more important than a procedure we could perform. It's way more important than a Bible study we could lead. It's way more important than anything I can think of. And think about the people who you really respect. My guess is that they're people that are on fire for God. You know, sure, you may respect them for clinical ability uh, or some, some crazy talent they have. But the people who impact us, I think, are the ones who really love God and just show up day after day out of that relationship for Him. And those are the people we want to follow. And my hope for you guys is that you'll be those people, you know, and I'm, I'm guessing you already are, but I know that it's possible to lose that. There's nothing more we have to give than the quality of our relationship with God. 
And so we need to be worshipers day after day after day. And Abram's doing that here. He's doing that here. Um, so important. I'm intrigued that he builds this altar. You know? It, it was a reminder of something big that God had done. And so whenever he passed through there, he would have a physical reminder of the awesome stuff God had done. And so, I mean, think about your life. You know, what are those moments in your life where God has really shown up? You know, what, what are those kind of altar-worthy moments? Where has God really shown up and said, I'm with you? You know, no matter what happens, I've got you. Uh, I'll share one of mine. Um, so we have a son with, with autism, like I said. Uh, and he, um, I remember going through the time right after his diagnosis where I thought, okay, you know, we'll, we'll beat this. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of fix him through therapy. And this was like 15 years ago when, like, I had to Google autism. <laughs> it's crazy, right? And, you know, we found out his therapy costs would be like ten or 15000 a year. And this was at a time when I was making like forty. And I remember just, like, internally melting down and just saying to God, okay, wasn't it enough that you gave us a child with autism? And now you want us to care for him, but you haven't given me the means to do that. And I was just getting so angry and so frustrated. Uh, and, of course, we had a dinner guest that night, coming that night. And you know how it is, right? You can kind of fake it for a while. Um, <laughs> And so this guy, he's our biggest donor, too. Biggest donor for our ministry. And I'm like, really, God? So I'm just praying, God, get me through this. And so this guy sits down. We have dinner. And he said, he's, he just randomly says, you know, my dad lived to be 106. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's cool. Um, and then he says, he was a great investor. And I'm like, okay. That's interesting. Uh and then he says, he left me so much money that I really don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and I, and he, then he keeps going on. And he's like, okay, if you ever have a need, won't you tell me? Um, yeah, I never make it through this story without getting worked up. Um, I prayed because I didn't want to use him, you know. But I just said, okay, honestly, there is a need. And here it is. And, you know, by the end of the night, he just opened his checkbook and he wrote us a check for $10,000. I mean, just right there. And he did that for like the next, like, three or four years until we didn't need the money anymore. And I felt like God just, it was the nicest rebuke I've ever received. <laughs> <laughs> I could use more like that. Um, but I felt like God was really saying to me, I know this is hard. And I know this is difficult. But look, he's my son more than he's yours. Don't ever wonder if you can trust me. And that's been an altar for us that we keep looking back on. And no matter how frustrated or angry I get on a given day, I can't pretend like God didn't do that. And that's an altar that we've 
that really God has built, but we've also built it because we keep retelling the story. Every time we're like, you know, the world is going to end. <laughs> the sky is falling. And God's like, no. <laughs> Remember what I did for Matthew. And so I want to ask you guys, you know, what are those big moments again in your life where God has shown up? Because your life is going to be hard at some point. Whatever he's calling you to, it's from him. It's a worthy calling. What do you have to look back on to keep you going? And what do you need to do to kind of erect an altar for you to keep looking back on? So important. So I'm going to actually, just a couple more minutes, and I promised uh, in the section description, I really want to give you guys some time to process your call. At least how I feel at these things, they feel a little overwhelming, right? You go to seven or eight breakout sessions and there's plenaries and then you go back to your real life and I often end up not doing anything (laughs) with what God has invested in me here. And it's not to say that this session will be the thing God has for you to do. But I just wanted to give you some time to kind of really process where you are with your call. I'll have some questions up here on the screen uh, that can help you. But I want you to take some time and just kind of start working this through with God. And then maybe when you get home, you can look back on your notes and kind of just keep working that through with God. And I know for me, one of the things I'm convicted about, uh, I don't really need new information. What I need is to take action in faith with what God has already shown me. You know, Jesus said in John thirteen seventeen, now that you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so that's my prayer for us today. Um, I don't know where God is calling you. And you may not know where God is calling you. But I know for sure that what really matters, it's not necessarily where you're going, like what organization you're going to go with, exactly what you'll be doing. This stuff is more important. Your relationship with God is way more foundational. And that way, no matter where you go, you'll be equipped, you'll be ready to make a maximum impact for him. So that's my prayer. Let's pray and then we'll we'll talk a few more seconds here. God, thanks so much for this time we've had together around your word. Uh, Your word is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts down to the deepest parts of who we are. It exposes us and it empowers us to live for you. I pray for each and every person in this room that you'll be with them as they think over these next several minutes. Uh, That you'll help them to take the next step forward in their calling. And that you will speak to them through your spirit. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. So yeah, right where you are, uh, in the quietness of your seat, uh, there are actually five questions that kind of correspond. Is it hard to see in the back? Is it? All right, I'll continue to play around with that. Um, Let me just start you off with the first question. So right, we said our first point is that God moves toward us and that he stays with us no matter what. No matter what you face, he'll be with you. So if you really believe that, how would it shape 
and change your sense of calling? That's the first question. And then I'll make this smaller and I'll try to keep us moving forward. Yeah, it's not allowing me to do that. Yeah, unfortunately. But the other thing is maybe I could push the monitor forward. Start moving on to the other questions so you can see them too. Yeah, sure can. <clears throat> okay, starting with the first one. The second one. The second one? Okay. So the questions were what sacrifices might God call you to make as you follow his call? Where are you limited in your understanding? Uh, And I say, take a moment and be honest with God about how these things, uh, yeah, just be honest with God about these things and ask for the grace to embrace what he's asking you to do. Uh, Question three, uh, around blessed to be a blessing. Uh, How does your life today practically illustrate the truth that we're blessed to be a blessing. Think about how your life may or may not uh, illustrate that. And what is one next step uh, you could take to share more, uh, a little bit more of what God has given you? And then the last question uh, about worshiping as we go. What would it look like for you to build more worship and thanksgiving into your life as you wait for God to unfold the details of your call? What is altar-worthy in your life? And how can you keep that in front of you more? And then just at the very end, I kind of just say, what is the one thing? that you feel like God is really impressing on you. So, is that good? Do you guys need me to scroll back up or anything else? Okay, just say so if you do. Why don't you guys just take like maybe one more minute uh, and then I'll come up and I'll, I'll say one or two more things and then we'll close in prayer.
Okay, so hopefully that was helpful to you uh, and at least gave you something to, to start with uh, as you kind of try to process this. Uh, I love Hebrews 11 because you get this take uh, on a lot of the stories from the Old Testament, you know, that you don't really get the ending to, but the writer to the Hebrews is looking back, like, a lot later, and he's giving us an inspired take on what God was doing. I really love that. And I wish we got like three or four more chapters of that. But we'll have to take what God has given us. So in Hebrews 11, this is what he says about Abram. Uh, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and having greeted them from afar. Isn't that great? I mean, I think it's awesome because we're not going to get to see what God is going to do with us in our lifetime, uh, at least not fully, but I think we have the hope that God can take our lives and do infinitely more with them than we can ever imagine. Always asking us to do is to take the next step, to trust Him, to obediently take the next step and leave our legacy up to him. So we're going to tell some good stories in heaven. Uh, And I hope today was encouraging for you. Thanks for coming.